0: Just turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Place your finger on verse 19. We'll come there in a bit. But if there's any passage I would choose, it would be that one as our main text this morning. Romans chapter 12 within God's Word. Have you spotted our new visitor here at Lakeside? Have you spotted our new guest? He shows up here every day looking through our windows. Now, I've seen deer out here. Pastor Hal has seen coyotes in our parking lot. But in my years here at Lakeside, I have never, ever seen this. Walking around. And I just saw him this morning. He'll freak you out if you encounter him when you leave this morning. He's strutting his stuff around this building. Do we have a picture? Yes. We have a wild turkey that has laid claim to Lakeside Assembly of God. He's big. He's a big gobbler. My, my. And uh, I was so excited I was so excited when I spotted him this past week out my window. I wanted all the secretaries to see what I was seeing. So I shouted down the pastoral hallway, The turkey's here! The turkey's here! (laughs) And I forgot that Pastor Hal was counseling somebody i died a thousand deaths you know it's been that kind of a week and and then i i just found out you know i I sign i sign dozens upon dozens but not hundreds of bits of correspondence uh, every week i have uh, pastoral correspondence business correspondence Birthday cards that I send out to all of our members uh, and that keeps growing and growing I send every member a birthday card. I send every member couple an anniversary card and try to write notes in there to them and uh, One of my deacons one, of, you know if it happened to anybody else But it had to happen to one of my my deacons one of my men one of my you know Roy Mills one of my deacons this is the birthday card that, that I, I sent him. Roy, there are some very special women in this world. And you are definitely one of them. Wishing you a birthday that's as special as you are. You didn't know one of your deacons was so special, huh? Happy birthday, Pastor and Becky. You know, it's. it's been one of those, I mean, troubles. But would you agree with me? There's no trouble like people trouble. Like people trouble. You can have trouble with things. Uh, You know, I had to fix a toilet this weekend. Now I've got uh, the new car I just bought Becky. The engine light is on. I mean, you can have trouble with things. But when you have trouble with people, there's no trouble like that trouble. That's why I've I've begun a brand new sermon series called The Games People Play. And oh, do they play games with you. Do you know how to respond to the games people play? God wants you to be a winner in the games people play. Every Sunday, we're looking at a different board game and how that relates to the games people play. I want you to enjoy uh, the next uh, game this morning that we're looking at, today's game. How many remember this commercial, Growing Up on TV? Let's go ahead and show it. Have you got trouble? Wait, don't run. This kind of trouble is lots of fun. Pop-o-matic, pop the dice, pop the six, and you move twice. Race your men around the track and try to send the others back. That's pop trouble. The game is fun for dad and mother, and sis can trouble her mean old brother. Trouble, trouble, that's the name of Connor's pop game. The most exciting chase game that makes trouble fun for everyone. Get Connor's pop game. Trouble, that's the name. How many of you have had a kid playing that game in a side room? And that Papa Matic will drive you insane. It is the ninth level of hell. <laughs> I mean, that Papa Matic. Oh, you enjoyed it as a kid. But when you're an adult hearing that over and over and over, oh, it's trouble. You can have trouble with things, you can have trouble with circumstances. But people trouble is the worst of all. Now, people trouble is not the real problem. People trouble, having people trouble is not a sin. But if you respond with resentment, it is. And it's the enemy's weapon of choice in defeating you and I, making us victims instead of victors. Today, we entitle the message, There's No Game Like Trouble. If you'd like to follow along this morning, begin to fill in the blanks with me this morning. What is resentment? What is resentment? Resentment is the inability to rightly respond. To rightly respond to perceived hurts by others. There's many... Within the sound of my voice, you can't function at school, you can't function on your job, you can't function rightly in your marriage because of real or imagined hurts in your life. Resentment's toxic poison, you see, pollutes people everywhere. Uh, It it infects people at work. It infects them at school, in the workplace, in hospitals, in the stores where you shop. They can even come to church and sit in the pew with you. They can even sit across the dining table with you. They can even sleep with you. Resentment is a psychological and a spiritual prison. It's a prison built brick by brick, tear by tier, hurt by hurt, by those who choose to harbor resentment. Jesus put it rightly. Jesus said in Luke 17 verse 1, It is impossible... That no offenses should come. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying it's impossible to live life. Young people, young adults, you got your whole life ahead of you. Hear me in this it's impossible to live in an isolated bubble, it's impossible to be insulated from people's problems. It's impossible to live life without being offended, hurt by somebody, something. But we can choose how we respond. There are most commonly, I would say, three sources for relational resentment. When we're counseling, ministering with people, The toxic poison of resentment that fills their lives is usually coming from one of three sources, if not all three. First of all, most resentment is the result of a perceived hurt from others, people problems. Those who have hurt you, those who have betrayed you, those who have rejected you. It's the one who falsely accused you. It's the one who cheated you out of promotion or a a new contract at work. It's the boss who delights in in denigrating and demeaning you. Uh, It's the one who loans you, that you loan money to, but somehow that one you loan money to has forgot to pay you back. It's the person who has spread lies or rumors about you on Facebook, uh, students. It's those at school that call you fat, ugly, stupid, and names I can't share from this pulpit. But would you agree with me? Resentment reaches its most toxic level when we're hurt by those closest to us. Someone who professed uh, uh, their love to you till death do them part, but ended up breaking your heart. It's the sibling who still hurts you today with... Cut downs. It's the parent who was abusive to you in your childhood, a relative who molested you, uh, a child that maybe you dedicated at this holy altar as unto the Lord in baby dedication. You loved them, you nurtured them, you paid for their college education, but they've come back on you to shake their fist in your face and say, I don't want to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to live my own life. I don't need you or your God. Attorneys will tell you that the most vicious legal cases are divorce court. Police will tell you the most dangerous calls to go on are domestic violence. Historians will relate to you that the bloodiest wars are civil wars. Resentment's poison reigns the greatest among people who were once close. Another relational source for resentment is yourself. People, believe it or not, can be filled with resentment towards themselves for mistakes, for wrong decisions, for sins from their past. A surprising perceived source of resentment is not towards others or even towards one's self. A surprising, maybe shocking, source of resentment are those that are filled with resentment towards God. Towards God. Case in point, Job's wife. Nobody has suffered loss like Job. In one stroke, Job lost his finances, his businesses. He lost his children, his grandchildren. Job lost His health. But it's amazing how at times the enemy will take everything away, but, you know, take some things but leave other things. And Job's wife was left. She was a real piece of work, wasn't she? Job's wife visits him on his hospital bed in the garbage dump. And she says, what were the words of great faith and solace and comfort that she gave Job? Job curse God and die." You sense a little resentment there? Just a little bit towards God? The trouble with resentment becomes abundantly clear when we realize it's health hazards. Research, research has discovered that resentment can produce all kinds of psychosomatic illnesses, anything from ulcers to migraine headaches, colitis to heart attacks. Stanford University psychologist Fred Luskin said, there's a lot of research on the negative effects of resentment, it makes you much more likely to have heart disease, it increases your risk of stress related orders, it raises your blood pressure, wanting to hurt somebody is like pouring Drano into your own insides. I recently heard of a businessman, a successful businessman in Colorado in his mid-forties who had just bought the latest, the greatest new Cadillac. He got that Cadillac, he drove that Cadillac one mile, one mile from the dealership when he had a slight fender bender. He was so irate, he was so enraged as he came roaring out of that new Cadillac, so filled with toxic venom towards the one who had hit him, they dropped over dead. His brother-in-law, his brother-in-law, based upon the loss, his brother-in-law has now posted a sign in his place of work The one who can make me angry can kill me. The one who can make me angry can kill me. Are you killing yourself this morning with resentment? The American Association of Psychiatry has stated that one in four, one in four Americans are emotionally unhealthy. So if you're sitting in a circle of four people, and you're one of the four, and the other three look fine and dandy... (laughs) You can usually identify the resentful by their toxic tongues of criticism and negativity and, and, and hate speech. Road rage perpetrators are definite victims. Of the poison of resentment. Have you heard the news this morning? NFL, NFL super uh, uh, hero gunned down, dead. Will Smith, dead, at the gun of a road rage perpetrator. What happens when resentment is not expressed, though, like in road rage? What happens when when resentment is internalized, when it's shoved down, when it's repressed? When you internalize resentment, it becomes depression. Another definition for depression is frozen rage. Resentment will express itself one way or another, and that's where so many psychosomatic physical illnesses come in play. When we internalize anger, resentment. Reminds me, I love the story of the truck driver that was uh, calmly eating his lunch uh, uh, in the uh, 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 expressway diner. Three hell's angels come uh, walking in, strutting in, and uh, some of you have heard this one. the One hell's angel uh, drank from the trucker's cup of coffee. The other hell's angels took a bite out of his sandwich. The other hell's angels took uh, a good piece out of his pie. And all three of the hell's angels stood there and laughed. Ha! What are you going to do about that, old man? The old truck driver didn't say a word, calmly got up. Paid his bill, and left the cafe. The leader of the three hell's angels looked at the waitress and said, Ha! What a sissy! What a loser! He sure ain't much of a man! The waitress said, I don't know what kind of a man he is, but... I sure know he's not a good truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles out in the parking lot. (laughs) Write it down. The most lethal aspect of resentment is how Satan uses it against you and I to miss God's best for our lives. The Bible is full of examples of how Satan has made victims out of people who were destined to be victors due to resentment. Cain, the first man that was ever born of a woman in the Bible. Cain, the son of Adam and Eve, was consumed with resentment towards his brother Abel and uh, murdered him, the first murderer. And he was banished from the presence of the Lord. Moses. Pastor Moses, after pastoring his congregation, Israel in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years. And hearing their incessant incessant complaining and whining and groaning and moaning, he had had it up to hear with them. And instead of speaking to the rock like he was commanded by God, he struck the rock more than once in anger, resentment. God said, Moses, you can see the promised land, but you cannot go in. Elijah was so consumed with resentment towards the people of God because they had forsaken the things of God. Elijah said, I'm the only one left serving you, Lord. Now, God, take my life. I don't want to live any longer, I want to die. Their resentment is causing depression. And then how about the man that went to Jesus' school? Jesus' university. He walked and talked with Jesus for three years. He saw the miracles. He saw the lame walk, the blind see. He saw the demons cast out. He saw the dead raised. He saw Jesus walk on the water and still the storm. Yet in the final analysis... When Jesus rebuked him. When the woman poured perfume on Jesus, and Jesus said, leave her alone, yet this one said, that could have been used to to fund the poor, to give money to the poor. The reality was he was putting his hand in the church offering bag and stealing and embezzling. And Jesus rebuked him. And said, she has done a good thing upon me. Leave her alone. And immediately, this one, who is he? Judas went out and betrayed his only Lord, his only Savior. Why? Because of resentment. Resentment, an unteachable spirit. Resentment. And missed out on God's destiny upon his life. Could have been a great apostle. Missed out. Started out well. Well. But finished so poorly. Because it's not how you start out. It's how you finish. And there's many losing the race today because they're consumed uh, with bitterness, uh, anger, resentment. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Why? Because you give the devil a foothold. In your life, if you walk day by day with resentment. Listen, don't allow any room in your life for resentment. Jesus said, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you don't forgive their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. Do you see that? Just as long as you and I refuse to deal with our resentment, just that long our prayers go unanswered, just that long you and I remain unforgiven, just that long resentment's poison does its dirty work. If it's allowed to go unchecked, resentment will not only be uncleansed, it'll send you and I to hell. Re- resentment's no casual thing with God. It's a very, very serious matter with God. How can you and I win the game over resentment? How, you, how can you and I win the game? Win the victory over resentment. A pastor was preaching that we must, we must forgive our enemies. And uh, he asked the congregation, How many of you, how many of you have forgiven your enemies? Everyone in the congregation raised their hands. Everyone. Except one old dear sweet lady Ninety-three years old. And he said, my dear sister, you must have misunderstood me. You're the only one that doesn't have their hand lifted up. You mean to tell me you have not forgiven your enemies? She said, I don't have any enemies. Oh, Please come up here uh, to the microphone and and give us your testimony. You don't have any enemies. Come, we want to hear the work that God has done in your life. How is it that you don't have any enemies? She took the microphone from him, looked the congregation in the eye, and she said, I just outlived all the old buzzards. (laughs) Resentment. It's a serious matter with God. How can you be a victor and not a victim of it? First of all, decide to admit you have a problem with resentment. Admit it. You'll never change what you don't confront. Refuse to make excuses. Look yourself in the mirror today and say, Starting today, buddy. We're going to change for the glory of God. We're going to walk in release instead of resentment. Refuse to follow the pathway of indecision. There's no such thing, hear me in this, there's no such thing as indecision. There's no such thing as it. Either you decide or you decide not to decide. But in either case, you've made a decision. Secondly, choose to reconcile with those who have hurt you. This is the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. The cure for resentment. You might want to write these steps down. I'll move quickly. I want to give you I want to give you steps for being cured from resentment. I want to give you six quick steps. Number 1, number 1, write down a list of all the hurts, all the wounds that you have received from that person. Write down all the offenses, all the bad things that they have done to hurt you. Write it down. Secondly, I want you to realize the list God has written up on you. What's on God's list with you? Thirdly, realize how He's forgiven and forgotten everything on that list, if it's under the blood. Number four! Instead of being ruled by your feelings, choose to be ruled by the holy, immutable, authoritative, inspired, indestructible, infallible, inerrant Word of God. God's Word says in Romans chapter 12, and this is our main text this morning, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. You stop playing God, and let God be God. Resentful people are playing God. There's only one who has the right for vengeance. And that's what the Bible says. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. Put it in God's hands. I said, put it in God's hands. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You and I can't handle hate. We can't handle revenge. I preached this last week. We have been programmed and wired for what? Love. I won't have you turn to that person and say I'm a love machine. I did that last Sunday. We were not created to handle wrath there's only one who has been created as the Orge Theou. That's Greek for the wrath of God. Only God can handle wrath. Only God can handle anger. Only God can handle vengeance because He is God and all that He does is holy, perfect and just. Put it in God's hands. You're not God. I think he knows how to run the universe a little bit better than you and I. People who hold on to resentment think that they are masters of the universe. Most of them are Germans. <laughs> if your enemy is hungry, feed him. He is, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. You're going to blow their tweeters. They're expecting a punch in the nose. They're expecting a dirty word on Facebook. They're expecting for you to uh, give them a fender bender out in the uh, factory parking lot. But you're going to do something that's going to shock them. You're going to do something that is going to overwhelm them. They are not going to control you with their anger. You're going to control them with your love. You're going to be in the driver's seat. You're not going to allow their hate, their hurt, to ruin and rule your life. You're going to be ruled by Jesus. You're going to love your enemies. You're going to bless those who persecute you. You're going to turn the other cheek. You're going to feed your enemy when he's hungry and give him water to drink when he's thirsty. In so doing, you're going to give glory to God. And at the same time, you're going to give testimony of Jesus to them. You're going to be an overcomer. You're going to keep your sanity, your emotional health. You're going to keep your physical health. You're going to move, hallelujah, in love because it's not only the right thing to do, it's the healthy thing to do. You're going to be an overcomer, more than a conqueror for Jesus Christ because you're going to fulfill God's mandate in your life. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good you see it there overcomers 2016 we want to make you a champion here at lakeside assembly of god number five i'm not done with your list now choose to move and release instead of resentment and be reconciled to that one be reconciled on top of reconciliation give them food to eat water to drink bless them pray for them if you're married to them kiss them be reconciled oh number six remember that list remember that list and that number one list you wrote down all that garbage burn it burn it because forgiveness always includes forgetting thirdly, one of the greatest releases over resentment comes by reconciling with yourself reconcile with yourself the spilt milk items of life you've heard the expression you can't cry over spilled milk There's some items in life, in my ministry, in my counseling, I call the spilt milk items of life. They are the inevitabilities of life that you and I, it doesn't matter if we're a type A personality, a dominant personality, doesn't matter if we're German. There are certain things in life we cannot control. We cannot change. Their are inevitabilities. I call them the spilt milk items of life that would like you to be resentful over them. You woke up this morning and the blue skies and sunshine was not out there. It's Michigan and it's April. You had a choice. Ah! I want to control the weather and because I can't control the weather it's going to be a bad day. I'm angry! It's not right! <laughs> or you can wake up and say, Thank God my name's not in the obituary column. Hallelujah! This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah! You've got a choice. There's an inevitabilities in life. Some are resentful because a loved one has died. you can't change it the Bible says for once it's appointed unto people to die you can't change the inevitability of death you can't change the foolish choices of your grown children who have made bad decisions there's no use in you having sleepless nights there's no use in you Going to an early grave. You cannot change the fact that one day your spouse said to you, I want a divorce. These are the spilt milk items of life. When you fight the inevitable situations of life, you will grow resentful. It will put you in the hospital in an early grave. And you could even lose out with God don't go there don't go there be reconciled with those issues and declare I can't change people but I have the ability to change myself and I choose to be better instead of bitter countless people also live with toxic resentments toward themselves because of their bad choices in the past their bad decisions their failings their sins from the past Carl Menninger The famed psychiatrist said this. This is a powerful research statement. If I could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven. This man is not a Christian. Seventy-five percent of them could walk out the next day. Do you see the mandate the church has? Do you see the power of grace that the church has within our hands to declare that Jesus has come? to bring deliverance to the captive, to set up liberty them that are bruised. Reconciliation. Reconciliation with yourself over the past. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Has God forgiven you of your sins? Has God forgiven you of your past? Even the skeletons in your closet? Has God forgiven? Has God forgotten? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Has God forgiven you, Lakeside family? Has God forgotten those things? Then you forgive yourself. And you forget those things. The past is the past. The past is not the present. Stop parking by yesterday's failures. Stop driving your life, looking in the rearview mirror of your life. Move forward. Live forward. Live with hope. (laughs) Today is going to be a better day. And there's going to be a brighter tomorrow. Amen. Amen. You'll never be able to forgive others until you forgive yourself. Stop playing the game of Trouble's Close Cousin. What's Trouble's Close Cousin? What game is Trouble's Close Cousin? Huh? Yeah, aggravation will be next Sunday maybe. (laughs) The blame game. The blame game. Oh, pastor. I would never play the blame game. Most of our counseling is the blame game. The blame game is when we refuse to take personal responsibility for what we are or what we've become. The blame game is when it's always, always, always somebody else's fault. Have any of you ever parented a child? It's always somebody else's fault. It's always something else's fault. As we live in the fog of denial, you gotta understand, you gotta understand, my Boy Scout leader didn't give me enough cookies. And that's why I'm a, a pathological liar this day, that's why I'm a kleptomaniac this day. My Sunday school teacher, when she handed out crayons, didn't give me a yellow crayon. And that's why I have a stealing problem today. We've heard it all. If it wasn't for my husband. If it wasn't for my ex. And of course, we've heard dozens play the blame game on their parents. For the person they've become. My parents didn't love me. My parents didn't love me. That's why I'm a drunk, a drug addict, a philanderer, an adulterer today. My parents didn't love me. Hey, that's good freshman psychology, but that's lousy Bible theology. When we come to Christ, I said when we come to Christ... When we come to Christ, we are a new creation. And all things have become new. Hallelujah! One of the most therapeutic, one of the most therapeutic answers that I could give you. One of the most profound, deeply soteriological revelatory concept that I could convey and communicate with you comes down to three words get over it get over it did you fail algebra last semester get over it and do better next time Have you been hurt? Have you been rejected? Have you been abandoned? Get over it. Amen. Have you been criticized? Have you been gossiped about on the rumor mill and on Facebook and on Twitter? Get over it. Amen. Have you been betrayed by one who said, for richer or for poor; sickness and health, better or for worse? Get over it. Have you sinned? Confess it to Jesus. Put it under the blood. Get over it and move forward. Forget those things which are behind. You have a choice to be a victim or a victor. You need to take personal responsibility for your life. If you don't, somebody else will. Somebody else will. When we blame others, we're living in denial. When we blame ourselves, we multiply our guilt. When we blame God for our problems, we cut off our only source of hope. By the way, if your parents didn't love you when you were growing up, I am truly sorry. But we're here to tell you this morning, there is a Father. There is a Father. There is a Father who loved you the most, and He loves you the best. It was not a casual love. The juice in these communion cups represents the shed blood of the only begotten Son of God. The Father's best. He loves you so desperately. He loves you so passionately. He sent his best. You are so special to him. You are the apple of his eye. You are his choice. Uh, He looks upon you and says you are my child in whom I am well pleased. God loves us. That's what communion is all about. I want you to realize, if you want to be free from resentment, realize God's sovereignty. Realize that He is in control. Remember, whatever happens in life, God is in control. Pain, loss, tragedy, betrayal, bad times cannot dislodge God from His throne. Nothing, nothing, nothing whatsoever takes God by surprise. Yet people have lived for years with the toxic poison of resentment over the losses that they've experienced in life. They've suffered the loss of things, jobs, finances, businesses. They've suffered the loss of health and marriage. They've suffered the loss of loved ones like a little child. And who do they blame their loss on? Bingo. God. They say, Pastor, Isn't everything that happens in life, isn't it God's will? And I say, absolutely not. Not. No. I want to remind you, this world is not the way God intended it. This world is sin-cursed. Adam and Eve opened the door to sin. But God sent a rescuer, His name is Jesus, to take us home, home where we belong. We're going to walk on streets of gold. And we're going to walk in a holy environment. We have become so desensitized to sin. You're going home one day where you belong. It'll blow your tweeters. (laughs) Heaven is the final adventure. It is the most glorious adventure of all. Number one, you live in a sin-cursed world. Don't blame everything that happens in this world on God whatsoever who's the god of this age who is the prince of the power of the air who said i will give the kingdoms of the world to you if you will bow down and worship me jesus satan this is a sin curse Satan ruled world but Jesus is coming back one day with the title deed that he won at the cross of Calvary I have returned hallelujah what a day that will be when our Jesus we shall see God is sovereign that word sovereign means God is in control but understand this God has not created robots people have a free will god has created us with a free will to love and serve him or deny him when you ask me the question pastor look what isis did in paris france look what isis did in belgium look what isis is doing in the middle east Pastor, did you hear about the school shooting that took place in Connecticut? Pastor Columbine, Pastor, Pastor, why does God allow this? God has given people a free will. God has bound Himself not to violate our free will. Is God in control? Yes. And we serve a mighty God. He's not only all loving, He's all powerful. And He can take what was intended for evil and turn it into the good and for His glory. Hallelujah! 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 hallelujah. My dear Christian, my dear sister and brother in the Lord, God has not promised you a storm-free life. God has not promised you the absence of storms. But God has promised to be in the boat of your life. And as long as He's in the boat, as long as He's in the storm, He can rise up and He can declare peace. Be still. Hallelujah. He's the storm king. Glory to God. God is sovereign. God is in control. When bad stuff happens when bad people play games in your life don't become resentful turn it over to God God you're on the throne and everything's gonna be alright Hallelujah! I said everything's gonna be alright hallelujah you can always win at the game of trouble mark it down through an attitude of gratitude through an attitude of gratitude Do you have a sibling that always wanted to be like you? Do you have a sibling that's always comparing themselves to you? That was Clyde. Clyde was a city boy, and his brother moved out to the country, his older brother, and his older brother was living off the fat of the land, prospering as a farmer, living the clean, rural, country life. We're talking Green Acres. So Clyde said, Clyde, who did not have the disposition of his brother, his brother was an optimist, Clyde a pessimist. Clyde thought, I I want what my brother has. I want the same things. So Clyde moved out. Bought himself a farm in the country, Clyde complained when it rained, Clyde complained when the sun was out, said the crops are going to die without water. He complained about how his tractor rode and how his tractor worked. He complained about the chickens, he complained about the pigs. He complained about the weather, he complained about the farm and the barn that he bought. One day he was out riding his tractor, and he went into a muddy bank, the tractor tipped over, pinned him, his face not just in the mud but in the manure, and he shook his fist towards heaven. God, why? Why? Why, God? And a voice came from heaven. Clyde, there's times you just tick me off. (laughs) Now that's not Bible theology there. (laughs) That's a joke about your disposition. We cannot control what happens to us, but we can control our attitude of gratitude when it does happen we can rightly respond to people and circumstances how is it how is it that we count our blessings on our fingers and we enumerate our miseries on our calculators that's why we need to live by faith and not by feelings God's Word says in first Thessalonians 5 in everything give what thanks In reversal, give thanks. In heartache, give thanks. In dungeons of despair, give thanks. Uh, In pain or poverty, give thanks. Uh, uh, In prosperity, give thanks. Somehow, someway, God, hallelujah, is going to receive your thanksgiving as you choose to be thankful. When Job's wife told him to curse God and die, he said, woman, you speak like a foolish woman he said naked I came into this world naked I will leave it and I bless the name of the Lord though he slay me yet I will trust him my Redeemer liveth learn to give thanks learn to give thanksgiving when you give thanksgiving you create a pathway for the miraculous. When you have an attitude of gratitude, that is an open door for the miraculous of God to be poured into your life when you give praise and worship and thanksgiving uh, in the midst of your pain, your poverty, your trouble, guess what? (laughs) You foster a miracle mentality. And God is able to tell his angels, look at my son. Look at my daughter. (laughs) They're not defeated by the enemy. They're not playing the role of a victim. They are an overcomer. They are a victor. They're more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Give them a miracle right now. Give them a miracle right now. Thanksgiving will make a way where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. Lastly this morning, lastly, ultimately real victory over resentment takes place as we choose to die and let Jesus live through us. If anyone had a right to be resentful, who had the right? The sinless, pure, holy Son of God. Society labeled Him illegitimate. Born out of wedlock. The church... Labeled him a heretic, a blasphemer. They ran him out of the church. The state called him a rebel, revolutionist, an insurrectionist. The cross labeled him a criminal. His closest friends ran out on Him, deserted Him, abandoned Him, denied Him, and even betrayed Him for 30 pieces of silver. And on the cross, they spat on Him. They mocked and ridiculed Him, as they sadistically tortured Him. But what did He do? What did He do? Christ on the cross is the supreme example of self-control he is the supreme example of mastery over resentment he is the supreme example of an overcomer more than a conqueror a champion of God as he hung upon the cross though they had labeled him a loser a complete failure he could have been filled with resentment he could have called forth 10,000 angels but what did he say father father forgive them for they know not what they do and because because of his disposition because of his self-mastery because of uh, choosing to release rather than resent Jesus at the cross became our savior and at the tomb, the empty tomb uh, he became our risen Lord Uh, glory to God he ruled over resentment from the cross he ruled over the devil's worst uh, with the resurrection and because he lives you and I can really live Paul the apostle said in Galatians 2.20 Paul said I have been crucified with Christ That's my only hope that's your only hope die to resentment die to bitterness die to depression hang it upon the cross dead and gone I've been crucified with Christ I no longer live but Christ lives with in me hallelujah Jesus Be Jesus in me. It's our only, our only hope. Stand with me this morning. Stand with me this morning. Because He lives, we can really live. He's our only hope. Most of us in this room remember the Vietnam War. You that have grown up, during the wars of the Middle East cannot imagine what Vietnam was like I can remember as a kid night after night after night on the news 500 soldiers dead 500 soldiers dead you cannot imagine and then they came home and how did our nation treat our soldiers our military Our Vietnam heroes, they were spat upon at the airport, they were cursed. This nation owes a debt of gratitude to those who faithfully served in Vietnam and didn't run to Canada. A mom, a mom raced to the train station. There, the trains, one after another, were unloading those of the military who had come home. The Vietnam War was now concluded. This mother had heard that her son Billy had been wounded, injured in the war, but she just figured he'll heal up and everything will be okay, everything will be as it was. She waited and waited as so many others came off, their arms and slings, others in crutches. And then, her eyes grew wide with shock. She saw a wheelchair being pushed off the train. No arms. No legs. Mom! Mom! It's me, Billy! I'm home! She shrieked. Son! Son! The war has taken everything from you! Billy looked up, his face just glowing. Not true, Mom! Not true! I still have my Jesus joy. Nothing can take that from me. True story. And Billy said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Such is the attitude of gratitude. Honey, sir, ma'am, isn't it about time? You let go of the bitterness. You let go of the depression today's a new day I said today's a new day lift up your head (laughs) there's a baptism of joy that God wants to do in your life this morning I don't know who you are I don't know your background but I know this our God is still in the miracle business and there's a greater miracle than a physical healing It's the joy miracle. (laughs) It's the release from resentment miracle, hallelujah. How many of you this morning, I said how many of you this morning, you have been deeply offended, you have been deeply hurt by someone. It could have been abuse from the past, use from the past. Could have been violence perpetrated on you, could have been a lawsuit, and you were the innocent victim. How many have been deeply, grievously wounded and hurt from the past? And the enemy would like to target your soul with the poison of resentment. But today you are determined to be an overcomer. If that's you, just lift up your hand right now. Yes, 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 all across this building. I want to invite you right now. I want you to invite you to join me at this communion table. Come up to the front here this morning. Come right now as Don Waggy sings this morning. Come right now. I want you to know there's release. There's release. There's release for resentment. Come. Come right now. Come right Jesus, now. Amen. Jesus, Jesus in me.